Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. So we've been in a, uh, a series in our PM services for two weeks now. It's the, the one another. So one another, one another. Because we're called to one another, one another. And that's why we're sharing on this. So Pastor Cam shared first out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on how we're called to care and, and comfort one another. And then Pastor James last week shared how we're to celebrate and honour that each one of us are different. And tonight we're going to keep on going through that, but I'm going to change passages. I'm going to go to a different one and we're, we're going to jump into Ephesians 4, 29 verses, sorry, 4, yeah, 4, oh my goodness, we're going to be okay, you'll see, we're, we're going to be okay. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32, so if you have your Bible, you're welcome to read along, otherwise it will be on the screen behind me. Let's read together and by that I mean I'll read it and feel free to listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Pretty amazing scripture. There's a lot in it, and uh, as you will see, uh, the, the series is one another, but we also need to explore some of the things that I like to call the unanothers. <laughs> see what I did there? They're the things that, that are maybe the opposite of a one another, and there's a few in this passage, and we're going to go there tonight, because when I talk about joy and peace, and when Pastor Megan talks about joy and peace, I believe these things actually put a cap on it for you. These things create a ceiling in our lives that, that don't allow us to have access to those things. If I can, can I ask that the house lights are on so that I don't feel like I'm speaking to an empty room, because I'd like to see all your faces. Oh, there you are. Oh, that's way better. You're a good-looking church, aren't you? Hey, how you going? I'm not hitting on you. I'm just saying you, you look good. All right, so let's go back to the Scriptures. It's a, a good, safe place to be. I want to start in kind of the middle. So there's this verse here that kind, kind of caught my attention this week, and, and I wanted to jump into it because uh, it's kind of an interesting one. It's verse 30. It says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. To help illustrate this, I need to go back to about 2006. 2006, I was living in a share house over in Mansfield. It was on 22 Ham Road. You're welcome after the service, not during, to Google Maps it and jump on the satellite view and be able to see the house. It's a square donut. And this was the house that I lived in. And I've got to tell you, this was the most typical male share house you have ever experienced. It was a beautiful place. It was like I said, it was a square donut. It was like a compound. Everything was double brick. In the middle, we had a barbecue, a spa, and it was open. So you could, you could see up into the stars. It was beautiful. We'd sit on the roof. We got told by our landlords not to sit on the roof. It was, um, we didn't actually do any washing up. We only burnt our rubbish. <laughs> So we would just eat off paper plates and yeah, we were eco-warriors before there were eco-warriors and we would burn all of our rubbish. So our carpet had burn marks all over it from where pizza boxes decided to jump out of the fire. 
And um, we lived this way, and I also remember whenever we had an inspection, you obviously have to clean the place, and the only way you can clean a house like this is with a gurney. So we'd, um, we'd get into the bathroom and just gurney the walls, gurney the ceiling, and there would be things stuck to the ceiling that you're not allowed to speak of in an environment like this. And it was, a, um, it was quite a frightening place, but I've got to be honest, for us, we thought, this is the way to live. This is the way to be. And then I started dating Ree. And she came to visit, and all of a sudden, there was someone there who was in distress. She would come into our house and be like, what is this place? What is that smell? What is that? Who are they? Because this was a, it was a strange place, but something that for our whole existence there had seemed very normal and the way to live, all of a sudden I realised was causing distress to someone who was important to me, and so I had to consider the way that I was going to live. And this is what it's talking about when it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, this word grieve is, is distress and despair. And it's, it's one of the most important verses in us understanding that it's the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not this force, it's not this random thing, but it's the person of the Holy Spirit. And as believers, as spirit-filled believers, we have to understand that the way we live can cause grief and distress to the spirit that is residing within us. And I believe that's why this is in such an important series for us as a church and, and as individuals, because the one another's are absolutely about uh, completing and continuing the work of what the Holy Spirit wants to do within each of us. You see there it says that it was sealed. So that seal is what happens at the moment of salvation. We're marked, we're branded. There's a show which I will not mention, but they, they brand the animals and they actually brand members of each other to show that they're a part of the family. And they say this amazing line, it's that you don't earn the brand, you live up to the brand. And it's the same thing with the Spirit. You don't earn the Spirit, you're given it. The day that you accept Jesus, you're given the Spirit and you're sealed, you're marked. But for the day of redemption is the day that it's fulfilled. The day that Jesus comes and, and raises and resurrects our bodies and, and we go on to spend eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. And, but between then, between the seal and between the day of redemption is when we get to live out the one another's. It's when we get to continue the work that the Holy Spirit is, has begun in us and get to work that out and live that out. And I want to tell you, this is important because this isn't just about unity within here, but this is about not causing distress to the Spirit that dwells within us. So that's why I believe this is such an important one. You look at the Holy Spirit, that, that bit, the holy, the thing that, he, that distresses him is unholiness. And he's the one spirit. We heard in, in, in 1 Corinthians that it's one spirit and the same body. One spirit. So disunity causes him distress. So all of the one another's are about our holiness and about our unity. So we're going to jump into that together. So firstly, there's, a, there's an important distinction here because often in our faith, and it's, it's an important distinction, we can, we can kind of think, if I just come up for prayer every week, things will be removed from my life. And there's an element of truth to that. Absolutely, the power of prayer can break things off in a moment. The power of prayer can remove addictions, remove things from your life. But I believe there's another piece to it as well. And we'll see that in a second, that there's, there's actually some responsibility on each of us. You know, just yesterday I was... Um, I was doing a bit of work in our garden and we're, we're getting some turf laid tomorrow, but there's this one like PowerPoint that's sitting up in the middle of our lawn or in the, like 
out in the corner and it's a really frustrating PowerPoint. The people before us, um, I've got to say, I don't have much love for the people who lived before us because they, they used a lot of shortcuts, they did workarounds, they just had a crack themselves, which I'm now doing now to try to fix their shortcuts and, and workarounds. But there were things that were half done and I have to go in and fix it and try to make it better. And so there's this, this electrical point that used to be a fountain which, come on, why are you chucking a fountain in your yard? Terrible. But they've removed the fountain, but they haven't removed the electrical point. And so I was just sitting up there. So I phoned a, a member of our church who's here tonight. I'm not going to name his name because you'll be all hitting him up to put PowerPoints and things in your house. So I called him. I said, I've got this thing here. Am I going to die? If I attempt to remove this, am I going to die? To which he said, no, you'll be right. All good. Switch off the mains. It's important you know this is not electrical advice I'm giving you right now. Get a qualified electrician. It's a good thing to do. But as I was digging this conduit out and as I was digging this, I realised that 600 underground, they just poured a whole heap of concrete over this, this wire. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to remove this? And in the end, I couldn't. So I just chopped it off under the surface and chopped it off at the wall. And forever now, there will be electric, electrical conduit running underneath our lawn. I've got to say, for a lot of us, this is how we actually approach our heart half the time. Is we're not willing to remove the things. We're not willing to do the work to actually get rid of that stuff that lies beneath. And, and Paul, in this letter, is he's so clear that we need to get rid of some things. So we're going to jump into those things tonight. And when it comes to the heart, Largely, we feel like we can hide it, right? Largely, we feel like we can kind of say, no one knows what's going on in there. Like, we, we'll, we'll pray the prayer, Lord, search my heart, create in me a pure heart, and we should continue to do that. But we feel like no one will actually know what's going on beneath the surface. I believe there's actually two signifiers, and, and that's what we're going to jump into tonight, and they're, they're shown within this passage. The first one, I believe, that shows the state of your heart is your speech, the way that we speak, the way that we, uh, I guess, converse with one another shows those things. It's, um, the word that it uses is unwholesome speech. And it's, it's used throughout the Gospels, but this is the only time it uses it with speech. Other times it's used to, to talk about rotten fish or rotten fruit, which gives you a really good picture of, of the way that your speech can be. And unwholesome speech has a stench to it. And I actually believe that, that our speech is the aroma of our heart. It's that same stench that you can walk into. If it's, a, I remember this one time, um, I won't share that one. I went to Rotorua. I can share this. Let's offend our Kiwi brothers and sisters. I went to Rotorua and it stank. It was disgusting. It smelled like sulfur. And everyone's there has this kind of look on their face of, deep sadness because they're in amongst this sulfur smell and they try to offset it by saying we've got thermal baths it's beautiful but you've got to hold your breath the whole time but I couldn't I could not even stay on the tour because of the smell that was there and that stench that aroma that's what hits you you, you can't actually work out anything else that's going on because all you can think about is the smell you do get used to it it's a it's a really beautiful place if you're going to New Zealand check it out it's fantastic <laughs> But it, um, it says in Luke 6.45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And this is why Paul is, is so intent on people knowing that we need to care for the way we speak. We need to care for the way that we talk with one another and, and the way that we talk about one another. Because that really shows the state of our heart. 
And that's why it's so important that we understand the way we speak is a really important thing. It says that, but to not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What a beautiful prototype for us to aim for, a beautiful thing for us to go for in the way that we speak, that, that when we speak, others are being built up. That when we speak, we're encouraging an environment of unity, one that sees the people around us flourishing. And I've got to tell you, when you're in an environment like that, insecurity falls by the wayside. You know, insecurity is all around us. Wherever we go, we, we see the byproducts of insecurity within, within individuals. And I've got to tell you, as a church, as the body of Christ, we're called to live differently. We're called to speak differently. We're called to build each other up. And, and I just want to encourage you, your speech is a direct correlation to the state of your heart. And so if you're struggling with the way you're speaking, if you're struggling gossiping and speaking poorly about other people, then maybe you need to do a little bit of weeding within your heart. Maybe you need to have a look at what's under the surface and just allow the spirit to go there. And then as Paul says, just don't, don't let yourself talk that way. Don't let yourself be that kind of person because we want to be people that build one another up. So the second thing that I think shows the state of your heart is your face. You might think that's a bit weird from the, um, the verses we've just read, but I believe some more than others, some people have a billboard. Some people, the way that they walk around, you know exactly what they're thinking. You know exactly what they're feeling because of the look on their face. It says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I believe all of these things are shown on your face, particularly bitterness. I know there's been a, a few times I've been in a shop that maybe looks like it's a bit beyond my, um, I don't know what the word is, but that explains exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm not fancy enough to be there and you can see them and maybe you've experienced this, they'll be back behind the counter kind of talking and going, what is he doing in here? He should not be. This isn't real. I don't go shopping, but you know what I'm saying. I've heard this has happened for other people. Um, I'm trying to make it my own story, but I can't lie to you. I don't go shopping. But you know for you, if you've been at a shop and maybe you don't fit in and they're saying not nice things about you, and then you approach them and you ask them a question and they do that, that retail, I'm happy to see you, but get out of my shop face. That, Hi. That's, uh, that's the bitterness. That's the bitterness face. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's shown on your face and, and it's the perfect face for bitterness because the, the original language, let's, let's take that face back to the original Greek, how good, uh, is, is picria. And it actually means a sourness, like a sour spirit and sour speech. And it makes sense because it looks like they've just eaten a lemon. And that bitterness is, is within you and, and is shown on your face. And again, it's, it's something that we can hold within us. And bitterness, I've got to say, bitterness is something that takes root very easily. Bitterness is something that, that takes residence in our hearts so easily. And not only that, but it grows quickly. And that's why we have to be so on top of it. Paul uses such strong language. Get rid of all bitterness. You know, I come from a long line of hoarders. My, um, my heritage is Scottish. It's my genetic condition to keep things. And it's my genetic condition to see the value in things that hold no value anymore. I get this from my dad. He's got a, um, a number of chairs in his garage that I know that they have been there since the 70s. And whenever I see them, I'm like, Dad, come on. 
it's time to get rid of those chairs. But he's like, no, 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 I'm going to do them up. I'm going to do up those chairs. But he can't get rid of them. He has to hold on to them. And, and we can have a hoarding mentality when it comes to kind of these, these kinds of things that we, we don't want to get rid of it. We want to hold on to it. And the truth is, at times, you have a right to be bitter. You have a right to be resentful of things that have happened. You have a right to hold on to those things because if you said it to me now, if you explained the situation, I'd probably go, you know what, I agree with you. That's really rough. You shouldn't have been treated like that. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have been spoken to like that. You shouldn't have been thrown out like that. But it's your choice as to whether you're going to allow it to reside in your heart. And Paul understands that this is something we need to get rid of. Because this is the kind of thing that grieves the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of thing that causes disunity within the church. And, and it's so important that we know that we need to just remove these things. Quoting Aristotle, there's a, a man named Armitage Robinson. And he describes bitterness as an embittered and resentful spirit which refuses to be reconciled. Which is such a heavy way to talk about it. But you know that there's a bitterness there if you actually are making the decision, I don't want to see that thing reconciled. I don't want to be released of that. I actually want to hold on to it. I want to grasp it because I believe I have the right to. And you do have the right to. That's the thing. You do have the right to hold on to it. But because of the cross, each of us has the responsibility to let it go. Because of the cross, each of us has the responsibility to allow it to just leave. The amazing thing about forgiveness and grace is it's a gift. It only costs the person who's giving it. And we're going to jump into forgiveness in a, in a moment. And I just want to give you a moment right now. Maybe you've got something within your heart that is a bitterness and you've just allowed it to take residence there. You've allowed it to, to reside in your heart. And even when you think about it now, you feel like it's grown to the, this ridiculous degree that how could I ever remove that? It's quite simple. You just have to remove it. It's, it's, it seems like it's something you need to cut with a chainsaw or do something intense, but it's actually just letting it go. We think that it's grown and its roots go deep, but actually we're holding onto it with our hands. We're grasping onto it, saying, I cannot let go of this. I need to hold on to this. But let's believe these scriptures and understand that for the unity of the body, we need to allow these things to fall to the wayside. And that brings me to the next bit, and... I felt a real burden on my heart this week in the lead up for this next um, verse. And it's funny, often when you feel a burden for something for your church, you, you struggle to write notes about it. And, and I just, I really felt tonight that there's some people that have some unforgiveness and there's some people that are holding on to unforgiveness and, and it's become a real ceiling in their life. It's become a real blockage in their life. And um, I believe that, that God has something for you and I will let you know that his grace is enough for you. His grace wants to remove that and he wants to allow you to be in fresh fields, fresh green pastures. You don't have to remain in that place anymore. You don't have to keep on holding on to that. Even as I said the word unforgiveness, for some of you, a name is coming to mind straight away. Straight away, you're going, yep, that's that thing. Thank you. And it's amazing when, you, when you're preparing a message like this, you're forced to confront it in your own life. And I felt like I was bombarded with it in every area of my life this week that, that I had to go, oh, wow, I'm actually still harboring unforgiveness in that area. Or I'm still holding on to that, that hurt that that person did towards me or someone I loved. And often that's the hardest one. If someone that you love is hurt, it's very hard to forgive. 
And it's very hard to remove that unforgiveness because you actually won't know when the person that's actually been hurt has moved on from it. And so you'll just keep on holding on to it on their behalf. And, and so tonight, I just believe that there's freedom for this and there's, there's freedom to, to step into. And, and we're all called to do this. So we're doing it together. We're doing it with one another. Yeah? Hey, there you go. Uh, but I believe that there is real freedom. So why don't we forgive others? Why do we want to hold on to these things? Quite simply, we feel they don't deserve it. Or maybe the hurt that they brought me was just too intense. Or, or I'm still dealing with the hurt. I've still got the ripple effects of that in my life. And, and I just can't forgive them. I can't keep moving forward with it. Unforgiveness is a, is a bit like a stone in your boot. You know, the, the worst thing... No, not the worst. It's actually not that bad in, this, in, the, in the real big picture. But you have a look at a boot, right? The, the aim of a boot is to protect your feet. The aim of a boot is to protect you from the elements. It, it does everything it should. You can, I believe the boot is the drive-through version of the shoe because you don't have to do up laces. You just pull it on and it looks like you're a fancy person. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing because it does protect your feet. It does everything it should. But what a boot can't do is protect you from something that's already in the boot. And I know we've all been there. We've all been that point where we have a stone in the, in the shoe and, and you're in a public situation where it's the most dishonourable thing you could do is remove your shoe and, and pour out the stone. And so you'll go on walking and you'll pretend it's not there and you can do it for a little while. You can walk for a while and, and pretend, you know, I, there's nothing in my shoe. I'm all good. I'm just normal. I'm just doing about, going about my, my everyday business. But after a little while, that stone starts to become the thing that all you can think about. All you can think about is that stone in your boot. All you can think about is the pain it's causing to your little toe. All you can think about is how difficult it is to walk. And over time, your walk will actually change. Because a boot is not able to protect you from what's already inside. Unforgiveness is the same thing. You know, the gospel is there to, to allow us to walk in freedom. It's there to, um, even as we're in worship tonight, I... Um, it's a, it's a very simple picture, but, you know, we have a choice in life to, to go on our own and drive like a car without suspension. We're going to hit all those bumps. You're going to feel every bump. It's going to be uncomfortable and not enjoyable. But the Holy Spirit allows you to take that same route and to take the bumps and to take those things and to take the pain and to, to take those things that make life uncomfortable. It doesn't remove the bumps, but it makes it a lot smoother for us as we, as we fly along that way. And it's similar with unforgiveness. You know, we can leave it in our hearts. We can leave it there. We can leave it within our boot. And for a little while, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. You'll be able to pretend it's not there. You'll be able to keep on walking and, and no one will know anything's changed. But over time, it's going to become more and more obvious. Over time, it's going to start to affect the way you walk. Over time, it's going to affect the way you view others, the way you view yourself. And it's, it's really important that we allow ourselves to remove that unforgiveness. In Matthew 18, there's, um, there's this amazing parable that Jesus shares of the unmerciful servant. And you've probably heard it before, but basically there's a king and a servant, and the servant owes the king an astronomical amount of money. It's something like 200,000 years worth of daily wages. It's just the ridiculous amount. And he, he begs the king and he says, please, remove the debt. I can't pay it. I won't be able to. And the king has mercy on him and he allows him to go debt free. 
And he walks out and moments later he sees someone else that, that owes him a very small amount of money, an insignificant amount of money. And he says to that person, where's my money? And that person doesn't have the money and he throws him in jail until he can pay him back, that insignificant amount of money. The king hears this and, and he goes, what are you doing? You unmerciful servant. I just cleared this debt that was the most ridiculous amount and then you could not even clear that small debt from someone else. That stone in our boot is that small something else. You know, for each of us, we'll, we'll walk along and, and we feel like, you know, I can hold on to this. I can hold on to this un- unforgiveness because I have a right to. I have a right to hold on to that. That person hurt me. If you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't be able to let it go either. Maybe you're right. But the scriptures give us another story. The scriptures give us a new model and that's what's so beautiful about the cross. The cross gives you a new paradigm to live in. Throughout the New Testament, they call it the conformity conformity model because we saw that what Jesus did is also what we can do. What he did for us is what we're to then do for others. And this is the same with forgiveness. I think the reason that we find it hard to forgive is because forgiveness is directly related to trust. And when people that are important to you, people that should know better, people that apparently love you, hurt you, it breaks your trust. And trust is glue in the relationship. Now, just this week, we've, um, we've had to put up a hidden fence in our house, which is basically an electric fence around the perimeter. And um, on our lovely dog, who gets a little boisterous and runs away at times, he gets a, um, they call it a tickle. He gets a little tickle. On his collar, if he if he leaves the the hidden fence, and he just he, just for a little scratch under the ear, but it's basically for him to know you can't go out that way. And to train them, you have to put them on a lead and walk them towards the fence so that they can feel the the little zap. Let's be honest, the little shock. And then you hit. There's a little flag, and you hit the flag, and you're like, that did it. That did the shock. Don't go here. And you train them to to learn how to do this. And um, I was doing this with Moose and. Unfortunately, I got the training a little bit wrong because I took him and first, I didn't know what setting I'd put it on um, and I put it on far too high. It actually really, I, it sounds funny, but it actually really hurts me that I hurt him so bad, but I put it on way too high a setting and I took him through it and I heard it. Like I heard the and as it, as it went at him and he was, he was not a happy jelly bean, but you're meant to, as soon as they then reel back from the pain, you're meant to give them a treat And so for Moose, he then thought that the treat was the thing that was giving him the shock. And he he just, he won't have his treats anymore. So need to find a new brand of treats. But for the next couple of hours, Moose did not trust me. I gotta tell you, I am his favorite person in the world. Every morning, Ree and the girls will all get up and he'll say like, yeah, yeah, how you going? All good. And he'll just wait at the gate until I'm up. And then I come out and he just loses his mind. I'm his favourite person. And I was the person that took him into this electric charged fence. And and he just would not come near me. And I was really, I actually said to Ray, I was so worried I'd broken him. And he was, uh, I was like, oh no, he's not going to, he won't ever trust me again. He he won't be able to um, be able to do this. And over a bit of time, he was all good. And and he came back because he's he's not the smartest dog. So he forgets pretty quickly. (laughs) We're all good, but... But in that moment, I'd broken his trust. I'd broken his trust. And, and this is the hardest thing about forgiveness is quite often 
It's people that have broken our trust. And trust is the glue in relationships. Trust is what keeps us together. And it's so important when we speak about one another, and Pastor Cam mentioned this, is it's this word alalon, and it's a, a mutual and recipro- reciprocal relationship. It's a two-way thing. It's a two-way trust. It's a, and so when you're asking for forgiveness and when you forgive someone else, you understand that there's a reciprocal relationship involved. And, and within the body of Christ, you would hope that that person is also wanting to live a life that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. But forgiveness is at the core of our salvation. Forgiveness is the very thing that attaches us and reconciles us to our Heavenly Father. And this is why we need to be quick to forgive one another. This is why we have to be quick to trust one another. I know that can be a really difficult thing, and I'm sure you've heard that saying, forgive and don't forget. But I've got to tell you, I'm so pleased that my Saviour just forgives me. He just forgives me. He doesn't say, I forgive you, but I don't forget all of that. He says the opposite. I forgive you, and it is as far from the east as to the west. It is as far away as it can be. And I know that this is a challenging thought, and this is something that is, is hard for us to grasp and to put into place, but this is what we're called to do. This is the life that we're called to live, and as spirit-filled believers, we don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to be able to do it in our own strength. We do have responsibility, and that's to remove those other things. I'll invite the band to come join me. But when it comes to forgiveness, we can allow the Spirit to give us the gumption to go for it. We can allow the Spirit to give us the courage to trust again. And we need to do that for one another. We need to do that for those in our own lives. And so I want to encourage you tonight, if you're harboring unforgiveness, if you're harboring something towards someone else that has hurt you, I just want to encourage you just to let that thing go. Just to allow that thing to leave your heart. Allow that thing to make place for something new. Because that's what's so beautiful about the promises within Scripture is He always has something new for us. He always has something better for us. We can hold on to our earthly way. We can hold on to our earthly systems. Or we can let it go and we can say, Lord, replace it with something that is of yours. Replace it with your kindness. Replace it with your compassion. Replace it with your forgiving spirit. And He'll do it for you. And so I just want to give you a moment tonight to, to allow you to to hand that stuff over. Maybe it's not unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. These things are, are quite similar. And I didn't really speak about it, but the other one there is, is anger and, and different forms of anger. And maybe that's something within you as well. But I just want you to have a look. Within your heart tonight, if you're honest with yourself, if you look at the signifiers, if you look at your speech, if you look about how you present yourself to others, have those things taken priority? Or are you allowing the, the spirit to bring the fruits the fruits of the Spirit to the surface, those things which will cause unity, those things which will draw each of us together and allow the body to work, for every part to work as it's called to do. So why don't you jump to your feet? Because we all know you can't respond sitting down, can you? That's how we do things. But really simply, I just want to give the opportunity to do that. So tonight... I think we might sing holy forever because this is the beautiful thing about the spirit that dwells within you. He is holy. He is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to draw you into holiness. And anything that's residing in your heart that doesn't need to be there, it's time to just remove it.
as Paul says, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Just say, you know what? You have no place in my heart anymore. I'm not going to hold on to that any longer. I'm not going to keep it there. I'm not going to allow its roots to go deep. I'm just going to remove it. And as you do that, I, I want to give you the opportunity as well. Our team uh, will be down here and we'll sing it first. And while we're singing, just in your seat, just allow the holiness of our God to be on display. Just to look to Him, our holy forever God. He is eternal. He is righteous. He is holy. And as you're doing that, reflect on yourself and, and then I'll jump back up and, and we'll have a little bit of a pray together. Sounds good? Let's sing. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.